Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp, here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, we had a chance to cover Senior Day in the Swamp. Uh, I know that going into that game, I thought I thought with everything with the Dan Mullen firing last week, I thought that players maybe would be surprised by kind of the atmosphere in the Swamp. Turns out it was a sellout game. You were there. Probably even more, uh, more high-profile recruits showed up than you expected. What was your uh, just general, you know, kind of first thoughts on that game as far as uh, just kind of the energy and, and maybe feeling like it was the the beginning of a fresh start for this Florida program. Yeah, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the crowd was very energized, um, even for a game where, you know, early on you're, you're dealing with a hat trick of interceptions, um, you know, just kind of a, there was a big lull there for a while where, you know, not a lot was going on. And I think that as as things kind of started to build up, you could feel that that energy in the swamp really pick up. And I think one of the things that really stuck out the most to me was that those seniors, you know, those guys that were, you know, having their last game in the swamp, I thought a lot of those guys really played energized. I mean, I know he's not technically a senior, but I think Damian Pierce, you know, having, when you see a guy run, you know, to the end zone with no helmet on and still fighting for more yards, you know, you can really tell that those guys um, were energized. And, and if you didn't, if you weren't a senior playing your last game um, and wanted to make that impact, you were a guy that really wanted to send those seniors out on a high note. Yeah. I mean, Pierce, I think technically is a senior, but with the COVID year still has eligibility left if he wants it. So it's one of those weird years where like people sometimes ask like, is this guy going to be back for another year? And I'm like, I, I don't know, like, and not having, a, not having a head coach. I mean, theoretically, if Damon Pierce wanted to come back and play, you know, for the next coach, he could. Um, but yeah, I think what you saw was, um, but kind of what you're talking about, like a, a lot of guys, you know, st- are still heavily invested in this football program. I think, you know, I think I said it a couple weeks back on the podcast that to me, it felt like Florida was a team that didn't quite know what to believe. They had kind of lost their rudder after that Kentucky loss, you know, not really um, having those outstanding goals of being able to compete for a championship. And when you go in, you know, to anything in life, but, but especially football where it's very clear, you know, you, you win your division, you play for the championship and that's taken off the table. It it sometimes is hard to refocus. And I think that's kind of what we've seen from Florida really ever since that Kentucky game, you've seen a team that, you know, really thought they were on the verge of kind of pushing through and becoming that SEC champion type team that, that college football playoff contender. And, you know, for all the reasons that we've discussed, some of the flaws in the program that were there for a while that kind of took till this year to manifest, I think the guys kind of lost that sense of direction a little bit. And then, 
you know, as the noise builds up, Blake and, and, you know, these guys are not immune to everything that's going on, everything that's being said outside the program. You know, guys, guys say they try not to hear that noise, but they do. I mean, it's impossible not to. And I think as things kind of snowballed, you know, that, that sense of what are we even doing here kind of crept up. And I thought yesterday was about after you made the move from Dan Mullen, I feel like it kind of, you know, I, I don't know how much for the players necessarily, but at least the sense I've gotten from fans kind of started to feel like there was light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's one of the reasons you saw the swamp so packed yesterday. It's one of the reasons you saw, you know, even despite a really, really ugly first half to the game, the crowd was really still engaged throughout the contest. And I thought the players fed off that. And then I thought, you know, Greg Knox as an interim coach, Blake did a really good job of getting the players focused around one message, which was let's send the seniors out the right way. And to me, that's what Florida had been missing was, kind of rallying around one idea or one vision and that had slipped. And I thought it came back a little bit yesterday. Yeah. You know, whenever you see the guys, um, Florida and Florida state kind of jawing, you know, before the game, you know, it definitely seemed like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen even fans say that, you know, Florida's kind of lackadaisical whenever they're out there, you know, warming up and, you know, they're just kind of going through the motions and getting ready like, Oh yeah, I guess we have a game today, but you know, whenever you've got the guys going back and forth, and I think it's very easy to have a rivalry game build up that, you know, those emotions and, and give you something to play for, too. So I think along with, you know, Greg Knox giving them that reason to play for the seniors, having pride in your school and your state and, you know, those rivalry games, like I said, you know, it's it's not hard to get amped up for a game like that. And you right. saw that and you saw that from the crowd and you know, the players feeding off the crowd, too. So, um, you know, shout out to the Swamp because I think that they really, um, really energized those guys. And I think they fed off of it. Yeah, and I mean, I think you saw that really even before the game started. I mean, some of the guys that you worry about maybe having checked out or being frustrated with lack of touches, Jacob Copeland was right up there mixing it up with FSU before the game when, you know, Florida State's running off the field. And uh, I think Bob Redman shared on our on our message board some of the, the pregame kind of locker room speech that led to that with uh, Lawrence Wright kind of getting in guys' faces and saying, hey, this is Florida State, man, if you're not – you know, if you're not ready to play this game and you should get you guys should go read that on Swamp 24 seven because Bob said it better than I can. Uh, but you just you finally saw that energy and it kind of got back to being about football to being about one game rather than, you know, kind of this whole you know, where's where's the whole program headed? You know, what's what's the future of Dan Mullen? And uh, I, I think there's value in that. And I think, Blake, as we move forward, I think there's a couple takeaways about, you know, where this program is and where the next coach will kind of come in and take over. And I think one of the things I think we saw yesterday is yeah, Florida's Florida's got a lot of stuff to clean up, right? The O-line's a mess, defensive tackle, you know, uh, not where you want to be if you're Florida, but there's a lot of individual talent, you know, I mean, Demarcus Bowman's on this roster. We haven't even really seen him. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the guys at receiver, some of the young guys there, I think have some individual talent, um, I, I think to 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 sit here and and look at a team that went six and six in the regular season and say um, this is a huge rebuild, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think good coaches come in and it's all about establishing a culture. And I think the culture, and I laugh because I've I've chided myself on using this term very broadly. It had slipped a little bit. The discipline clearly had kind of falling away from Florida and you can go all the way back to the Marco Wilson shoe throwing incident. And then the next week he's a captain, the discipline had slipped a little. And I think one of the biggest ways you overcome, you know, not being able to discipline your players is you have enough players that any guy is ready to step in. And, and that, that goes back to the recruiting question and that talent. Like what, what do you think a new coach, 
uh, before we get into bowl game and, and kind of coaching search updates, what is the most important thing in your mind for a new coach to be able to do when he gets to Florida? Uh, you know, I think instilling that discipline, you know, like you said, you know, you have um, you've had a lot of penalties in games. You know, I think that whenever you have those continuing, you know, false start penalties, you know, late in the season, you know, that's that's a lack of discipline. So I think really instilling some discipline in the pro- program on top of, you know, I know it's hard for this year because, you know, just the, the, the logistics of how things are going to work out with just the hiring and, and the early signing period making that tough. But I think you need to make a, a huge focus on recruiting, on turning the roster over. And like you said, there's plenty of talent on Florida's roster, but there's not a lot of depth, you know, and there's and there's always room to add some more of those top tier top 100, four star, five star type of guys. So I think, you know, along with instilling discipline and having a message in the program that, you know, those kind of things aren't going to cut it, but also continuing to add, you know, whether it's a top tier type of talent guy, you know, a guy that is really talented and he can be a depth piece and he can come in, you know, early and make an impact. So I think those are the two biggest things for me, you know, having a message in there that, you know, those, those penalties and those things are, are, aren't going to cut it here. Um, and along with, you know, continuing to build that roster up. And again, you know, I think Dan Mullen did a good job of, you know, bringing in some guys, but he just never really broke over that barrier to where you're where Florida fans want to be. They want to be one of those top four teams. They want to be playing in the in the college football playoffs. So I think that, you know, adding some more of those guys and making that a focus would be big. So for me, those are the two biggest things. Like, I know that we've talked about this. We talked about it both at the game in the press box yesterday and, and a little bit before the show started. And I know that you may not have firm answers, but can you walk us through recruiting from the standpoint of kind of you know, some guys that were there yesterday, uh, I think it surprised me that that as many high surprised profile guys showed up, you know, because I know they shifted the official visitors and kind of pushed that back so that the new coach would be able to get some of those guys in. What, what, what in your opinion, and I know this is very speculative in some ways, what in your opinion is kind of what happened there and what's the what do you think the plan is? Uh, you know, I think the plan is to have official visitors come in in that December weekend. Obviously, um, you've got two weekends this this coming up weekend of December 4th and the weekend of December 10th to host official visitors. Um, I think that that will be likely where you see a lot of those guys um, come in for the official visitors. Uh, they can do midweeks if they want to. I'm not sure how that works. So, you know, that's something that, you know, we'll kind of have to see whenever things play out. But, um, you know, to go back to your point, I thought there was, I thought there was, it exceeded my expectations of the guys that I saw come in. You have a top 100 guy in Shamar James, who's a former uh, UF commit, backed off of those things, still came, you know, without a head coach there. Um, without a defensive coordinator there. He's very close to Christian Robinson and, and Chase Clark, who is in uh, the player um, assistant player uh, development in there um, in the player personnel department for Florida. Um, so, you know, I thought that was surprising to see him get in there. You know, you've got guys, um, Trevor Etienne, who's the brother of Travis Etienne um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was a guy that was expected to come in for an official visit this weekend, but whenever they changed things up, still came for an unofficial visit. You know, drove time. all the way from Louisiana to, uh, over there just to, you know, catch in the game. Was a little late, you know, because he did have to make the drive, but he was still able to get there. Um, and like you said, a good sign, you know, to come in there and, um, you know, still interested in Florida. I, I think for me, along with some of these impressive guys that they had in there, you know, I mean, they had Kayshawn Sapp, who's a Florida State commit, didn't get a chance to catch up with him. You know, I don't know if that's one where he was coming to see Florida State or if he was, you know, interested in Florida. But I think the fact that they let him come, you know, makes me say that there's got to be some kind of dialogue still there. Um, a top 50 guy in Derek LeBlanc, who is a 2023 guy, a defensive end from Kissimmee. Um, you know, they just had – there was a lot of guys. Um, you know, I still have some stories that I need to crank out. And on top of the targets that were there, 
so many of the commits that came into town, right. you know, defensive lineman Jamari Lyons, uh, linebacker EJ Lightsey, uh, wide receiver Chandler Smith. The overall message is that Florida is still Florida. And I know he wasn't there, but Jaden Gibson, who's one of Florida's high profile wide receiver commits, um, tweeted during the game, you know, that, you know, after some thinking, Florida's still where I want to be. So I think that that speaks to, you know, Florida as what the program is, as, a, as you know, as a logo as a whole. Sure that even without a head coach that, you know, these guys still want to come to Florida, um, that it was the best place for them. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits for Florida. Um, but, you know, for going forward, you got to, whenever, whenever you have a higher mage, you need to identify the targets, you know, that, that you want to go after the guys that were, you know, yeah, they'll shuffle the board. Some. Sure. There are going to be some new names that that's what happens when you have a new staff, but you need to identify the guys that, you know, we're really interested in Florida before a coaching change, because those are guys that, you know, you can kind of throw the line out and see if they get any bites and, you know, get them on a visit again. But there's still a lot of other moving parts here, too, because today marks the first day of what they call the contact period on the recruiting trail to where you start seeing those coaches go out on the road. Mm -hmm. You can have contact with the guys, you know, during the evaluation period in the fall. You can kind of see them, but you can't talk to them. These are the times where leading up to the early signing period where you see the in-home visits, where you have guys, you know, coaches come in and talk to family, talk to coaches, talk to players, you know, all those kind of things. But on top of that, too, dealing with that whenever a new coach is made, I, I know Florida's planning to go out on Monday. I would assume it's going to be a lot of the, you know, the, the current staffers that are there now, but Florida also um, has the luxury of being able to have guys that have already taken an official visit in the past, come back and take another one. Right. Um, whenever kind you have a, a head dip. coaching change, right. Whenever you have a head coaching change, you're able to come back in and take another official visit. So Florida could very well have a lot of these guys that took, you know, June official visits, maybe an official visit early this fall can come in and meet the new coach, you know, kind of get a, another look at Florida. So it should be pretty busy. You know, I, I guess there's still a lot of things to work out. You need to hire made officially first to kind of go from there. But, um, you know, there's still a lot of moving parts there leading up to that early signing period. So, so what you're telling me is Dan Mullen was playing 4D chess by getting all those official visitors on that first June weekend. Exactly. Get him in there He's once, got... get fired, and then, hey, the program can recruit him again. And you know what? He still got to go to the lake house and do some wakeboarding. There you go. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk real quick before we take a break about the logo comment, just because I thought it was interesting. You know, the, on our message boards, if, if you're on Swamp 24 seven, you know, you're probably a diehard college football recruiting, you know, fan. And uh, I think, you know, we always kind of tend to gravitate towards the extremes. <laughs> and I think coming off the Dan Mullen tenure, so many so many fans are like, we, we got to get rid of this notion that the brand recruits itself. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But also, like, you don't get some of the guys showing up like they did yesterday unless the brand is very strong, right? There's interest in Florida as a program. There's interest in playing at a program like Florida, especially when they have the right guy. And you templar temporarily lost that vision with Dan Mullen uh, as things kind of spiraled out of control. But the bottom line is none of the stuff that makes Florida Florida has really changed. The, the recruiting facilities, as we've mentioned, the standalone football facility is going to be a huge addition. You're going to have a new coach coming in that can sell his enthusiasm, sell his vision. And I think a lot of people are sensing, a lot of recruits probably even, especially the ones that, you know, kind of maybe lean towards Florida as is, are sensing that, you know, uh, reinvigoration of the fan base, that excitement from the fan base of, hey, this is a new chapter. And if you're a recruit and you already kind of like, you know, grew up liking Florida or grew up, you know, kind of intrigued by the possibility of playing in Gainesville at the Swamp, something like that, I think you're like, hey, man, I can get in on, on the ground floor of, of this next building process. And certainly you want to know who the coach is. Uh, but I think you are seeing, Blake, that the the truth is always kind of somewhere in the middle, right? It's never 
you know, you just need a coach that can recruit or, you you know, you just need your program to do the recruiting for you. It's both. You got to put in effort on multiple fronts. And Absolutely. I thought coming out of yesterday, the, the recruiting thing, as much as the game itself, was really interesting to me that they had that many guys on campus and seemingly that much energy. So. Yeah, you know, it was surprising. It surprised me seeing guys that, you know, I didn't have on my expected visitor list heading in that still made it there. So, um, you know, it was a good day for, you know, just getting guys in there. You know, I've seen uh, some games – um, throughout the season where they weren't as Lotus as that, even with a head coach. All right, Blake, let's take a quick break. Uh, I want to talk about a very unpopular take that I had uh, actually before the game Saturday about whether or not Florida should accept a bull bid. And then we'll get to some very brief coaching updates. Not a whole lot has changed on that front, Blake, but we'll talk about maybe one or two wrinkles, I think, that could still potentially have an impact on Florida's hire. So we'll be right back after this commercial break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to talk a little bit about whether or not Florida should accept the bull bid because I had a very unpopular take before the Florida-Florida game was even played, and I'll go ahead and even say I had that take despite the fact that I picked Florida to win. I thought that you were going to see energy in the Swamp. I thought that Florida was going to come out and take care of business against FSU. So I fully expected Florida to be bowl eligible, and I still felt like there were maybe more negatives than positives to accepting a bowl bid. Apparently, that's a pretty universally bad take. So let me hand it over to you first and get your thoughts on whether or not Florida should accept a bowl bid. You know, I think they should. I think just the the practices you get from the bowl week, um, I think they're beneficial. Um, you know, having those young guys on the roster um, you know, winter has a really solid take too. She wants in here to do, join the podcast. <laughs> she's so, she's so, she's so desperate to get on here. Um, I, I think having young guys, you know, you get those extra practices. I think not only do you get the practice week of, or, you know, the weeks of practice there. Um, but I think having those real life game type of snaps that you can get for those players, I think they're beneficial. I can understand the differences between, you know, the head coaching changes going on. You don't know what the assistants are going to do. And, you know, quite frankly, a new head coach could come in and completely change everything you learned in, you know, those, those bold practices. But I think just the, 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 just the snaps you get for those younger guys on the roster, if you want to continue to build up that depth on the roster, um, those young guys are going to need to get those kind of extra snaps in practice. So for me, it, there, I don't see a downside to it. Um, other than, you know, just the simple fact that there's transition going on. But I, I, I'm all for having that bowl game for Florida. 
Yeah, and I've come around on the thinking a little bit since being universally panned for my my, my hot take. Um, but there's a couple reasons I, I felt that way initially. And, and I think some of the reasons they've shifted are, I do think yesterday was in a lot of ways kind of a rebirth for Florida football. Um, it really felt like a wiping of the slate clean. I think all the players kind of needed that. And, and I was kind of looking at, um, you know, a Florida win, I guess I kind of lost the context of what a win would look like and, and do for uh, the players. But there's a couple reasons I think a bowl game, accepting an invite would be tricky. And I'll, I'll, I don't want to get too long-winded here, but one, you're going to lose money if you go to a bowl game. Uh, the school pays for a bunch of stuff for these players. You're, you're going to lose a significant chunk of money, and you're already paying some buyouts. The bigger concern for me, Blake, is that you have a staff that has already lost three big time coaches. I mean, you've lost the head coach, you've lost uh, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, and you've lost uh, your defensive coordinator. So you're down on, you know, guys that are used to being in those on-field roles and and really kind of get your team organized. The other thing is with Florida bringing in a new staff, probably of the seven assistant coaches that are remaining, only one or two are probably likely to be retained under a new coach, right? And so you're going to have a lot of those guys looking for their next job, looking for their next opportunity over these next couple of weeks. What happens if, you know, one of them gets an offer and, and they say, hey, man, we need you here real quick before the early signing period. Uh, we, you know, we want you to kind of iron out this with this recruit. Like, do they leave in the middle of bowl prep? You know, and, and where does that leave players? You've got a bunch of seniors that, quite frankly, no offense, but playing in a in a bowl game like you know the Gasparilla Bowl or something like that, where you're a six and six team, there's a lot of guys that are going to be looking out for their NFL prospects. You know, I mean, we saw it last year; a bunch of guys sat out a, a much bigger bowl game. That's kind of the trend in college football, and so I look at it as, yes, it is an opportunity for practice. But what are you practicing for? You're not going to be practicing the new scheme. You're going to be practicing an old scheme with coaches that are again one foot out the door already. Um, I, you go back to the 2004 peach bowl, uh, where Ron Zook and his staff coached and they're, you know, they're wearing Illinois gear in the building and it, it just, it was a very disjointed thing. And Florida goes out there and gets walloped by Miami. Again, that didn't really obviously have any long-term impact on where Florida went when Urban Meyer came in. They obviously turned things around very quickly. So I'm not, I don't think it's any like sort of huge decision that, that, you know, is going to swing things one way or the other. So I'll say that, but I do think. And and then the flip side of that was was I thought maybe the players could just use a mental refresh. You know they've they've had what has been an incredibly trying year. Uh, they finally came away with their win on senior night. Um, but what we heard after the game yesterday was a bunch of guys saying, "Hey, we want to go play again. We want to go play again. We want another opportunity." And if that's the case, Blake, my 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 stance is if the players all want to play and they're on board with that, and Scott Strickland goes in with them and meets with them sometime during this week before you know the bull bids come out next Sunday. And all the guys are on board saying, hey, we're locked in. We're committed to playing this bowl game. And, and here's, here's how we're going to do it. Then you play the game. Like, there's no question in my mind that it should be up to the players. And I think it will be left up to the players. Um, I, like, again, that was an unpopular take. I just think there's a, there's a lot of factors there that, um, you know, new staff comes in. Yeah, they get taped to evaluate. But, again, what are, what are you evaluating if you're, you know, evaluating – yeah, I, don't, I just don't see a whole lot there in those bowl practices when these coaches are going to be on the road recruiting really hard, the new coaches that come in, that I don't think that there's that much that you glean. Now, again, I've softened my stance on whether or not Florida should take a bowl bid. But I felt like, you know, as much as as much as I got called out on it, I felt like I should at least explain the position a little bit. But anyway, Blake, we'll find out that in the next week, I think. You know, like I said, bowl bids don't come out for another week. I think 
you know, obviously yesterday when the players are running high on emotion, just had a big win in the swamp. I think most guys are going to want to play. We'll see if that shifts as, you know, you know, they get a little further along, start thinking about the next step, have a day or two to digest. And then, you know, Scott Strickland presumably goes to them and says, hey, do you guys want to want to go to a bowl? You know, I think I think that's kind of how it will go down. But uh, Blake, let's move to the coaching update side. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, is there anything you want to chime in on just kind of where we're at in the process? I know I, I have some updates. We haven't really provided a whole lot necessarily lately uh, with, you know, the Swamp 24-7 VIP subscribers because, frankly, not much has changed from my end. Uh, you know, there's really nothing that I think I can add there. You know, I think if it, if it is a guy like Billy Napier, um, my questions, you know, from a recruiting side, and I talked to you about this, you know, during the game, uh, you know, on Saturday, was that, you know, let's say he's the guy, you know, whenever you want to announce that hire, make that official. But it seems like all things considered that he's going to want to coach that Sunbelt championship game, mm -hmm. which is the first weekend of, you know, official visitors in the, in the month of December. So my question is, if that's your guy, are you going to have to, you know, kind of take a mulligan on, you know, the first weekend of, of official visitors, you know, I'm not sure how that works. So I think for me, that's something that, you know, where the questions arise for me is because, you know, you're already kind of cutting it close with a new hire, um, having only two weekends essentially to bring in guys for official visits or, and even guys that maybe want to take another official visit. So um, on top of, you know, hitting the road for the, excuse me, the contact period, seeing all those types of guys, I just feel like there's a lot of lost time. And, and you know, he, there's a chance for him to double duty things to where, sure. you know, you're planning for the Sunbelt championship game, but you're also spending an evening, you know, in someone's, you know, living room talking about things, you know, for an in-home visit, you know, those things can easily be worked out, but I think it's going to be really hard to work things around for that official visit weekend. Because, you know, my thinking is, is it going to be to where guys arrive on Friday and spend time with, you know, maybe an assistant coach that you've hired by then, or are they spending time with the recruiting assistants that are still there that you've kept around and you're arriving on Saturday after that game, you know, assuming that it is Billy Napier, you know, you're arriving after that Sunbelt championship game to kind of start things off for the official visit weekend. So I think there's a lot of questions for me there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and reiterate because, you know, I don't know exactly how much of our YouTube and, and podcast audience is the same as what's on Swamp 24-7 and our subscriber base. But uh, it's pretty clear at this point that, that Billy Napier is the top target for Florida. I've reported going back, uh, I, my days are all blending together, but at least four to five days now, that I still think, based on the sourcing that we have on some things, that LSU could pre present a complication for Florida in the sense that I don't think that Billy Napier has been uh, really, he, LSU has not really expressed any interest in Billy Napier to this point, and he has been interested in LSU. And so I don't know the dynamic of how, you know, that may have shifted things if, if Napier's turned off by LSU, if he would take LSU over Florida. Don't have a great sense on that, but what I do know is, like we reported on the last podcast uh, video that we shot, Typically, once you feel pretty confident that, you know, based on a bunch of different sources that Florida's circling on one guy, you're going to hit a lull period, right? And so I expected not a lot of news after it kind of became clear to us that Billy Napier was the top target. And so far, that's played out. Now, I think from my reporting and some of the people I've talked to within uh, the UF program, the sense is that they're, they're very much in the discussion negotiation phase and they're working out a few things. One of the things that I reported on Swamp 24-7 probably four days ago or so was that the buy, or actually it might have been after Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving evening, evening, was that the buyout was one of the things that they were working on, right? And Scott Strickland was very proactive in structuring a buyout for Dan Mullen 
that was favorable to the university. And that was the one that he paid 12 million on would have paid 12 million on if he fired Mullen next year. Um, seems like a big chunk, but the flexibility was you're not beholden to the buyout to extend coaches and that kind of thing. And I think that's one of the pieces that they're working on with Napier. Um, I also have heard that Napier in these discussions uh, would like a good deal of influence in the UAA itself uh, with some hires. And I don't know exactly what roles that means. Like what, you know, is he talking about bringing in an executive AD type? I'm not sure. Um, but that's one of the other things that I've heard. And so I think there's a lot of negotiation going on, Blake. What I don't know is if, you know, I, I don't know from the Napier end if, you know, they're kind of slow playing this thing still and hoping that as LSU search progresses, maybe they get to him on the list. And I, and we've talked about some of the reasons I think Billy Napier would, would be interested in LSU. They've already got their recruiting network set up there. I mean, they've already spent several years networking with high school coaches in the area. That state has a very fenced off recruiting ground for LSU. I mean, LSU gets the top guys from Louisiana probably eight times out of 10. And Alabama's gotten better recruiting there in recent years. And there's a couple schools that will come in and pluck one here and there. But by and large, LSU is probably a more fenced in recruiting ground than Florida, right? Definitely. So I think, you know, based on the sheer volume of, of sources that we've had indicating Billy Napier's probably going to be the next guy at Florida, I do think it's still a very, very, very high percentage that he ends up the next guy at Florida. Uh, we, we reported um, on Thanksgiving night that we were hearing it would probably happen sometime between Sunday to Tuesday. I do know that if Napier takes the job at Florida, everybody fully expects him to coach the Sunbelt Championship game. And I think, uh, you know, my only concern would be if LSU, if you start to hear LSU and, and plugged in people at LSU saying Billy Napier is a target, then I think things could potentially get dicey at Florida. But so far, none of that's happened, Blake. And uh, there, there's also a lot of, lot of sources that have, have made it seem like Florida is really just in the final stages of this thing. And it's just about, you know, getting that final three yards to the goal line like Damian Pierce did without his helmet, you know. So uh, I think, Blake, let's, let's go ahead and leave it there because I don't want to say too much. And then, you know... <sighs> Right or wrong, we get held to, uh, you know, every twist and turn at every, you know, every people hang on every word. And so I don't, I don't want to indicate that there's some huge level of concern about Billy Napier, but I also don't want it to come across like it's a done deal. And um, so that's kind of where we're at. We're still, I think, in a holding pattern a little bit with Billy Napier. Blake, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else we need to add? Anything, any other angles to that that we need to discuss? I don't think so at this point. It just kind of seems like wait and see mode now. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, guys, that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. As we get more information, and obviously I think a lot of that uh, will, I, I think, you know, come out over the next couple days, you can tune in to swamp247.com. For now, we are running a 75% off VIP promotion. It's one of our deals that we began uh, really with Black Friday, and it's going to run through Cyber Monday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to take advantage of that, like I said, Bob posted some some terrific inside the locker room insight from before the FSU game yesterday. Uh, we've had plenty of updates on the coaching search. I think anybody that has followed us to this point feels like they have a pretty good handle of where Florida's coaching search has started, where it's likely headed. And uh, hopefully we can uh, iron out the final few details as eventually a Florida hire gets made. But that'll do it for today's episode of the podcast, guys. We appreciate everybody that listened. If you liked the video, be sure to hit like and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening on Apple 
uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those platforms uh, for audio only. Be sure to try to leave us a favorable review. Help us get to more people in the Gator Nation. Uh, I think we all appreciate your support. So that'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.